Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Today I want to draw your attention to the prayer that Jesus prayed in verse number 32. He said, not my will, but thine be done. Would you say that with me? Not my will, but thine be done. Say it again, please. Not my will, but thine be done. That is what I would like to label as my sermon title today. Not my will, but thine be done. Many years ago, my great-grandmother wrote her last will and testament. And she had me in her will. Thank God for that. <laughs> so I inherited a sum of money that would go towards my college education. And it was, a, it was enough to cover one year of education. So not a whole lot of dough, but enough to get me started. And she also willed me her Chevy Malibu. Now I sh shared that with you a, few, a while ago, but, uh, but I decided I didn't want that Chevy Malibu. So I sold it to my parents. And my mom can testify today. And the reason why I sold it to them is because when my car breaks down, I'm going to ask them for that car for free. <laughs> uh, just kidding about that. But anyways, I've inherited something over the years. And, and they tell us that before we get close to death, we should write out our last will and testament. It makes that whole transition a whole lot easier. Well, today, with that in mind, we are looking at God's will. And not just God's will, but God's will for our lives. And today, I just want to remind us of a few verses. The Bible says in 2 Peter that God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. So first and foremost, right out the gate today, God's sovereign divine will is for all men to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that God died, that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. That is, he paid the penalty for sin. And all we have to do is accept that gift and that payment, and we can have our sins atoned. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Time and time again, the Bible talks about how Jesus laid down his life. But in this passage that we've just read, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. And I have the, had the privilege of being there. And while I was in that garden in Israel, I was standing in that garden and the, the tour guide said, Hey, I want all of you pastors, because I went with a group of pastors, I want you to just walk around and have a time of prayer with God. And listen, as I was walking around that garden, I just couldn't come up with anything to pray. I was in awe of the fact that in this moment, a place, if it wasn't that place, it was a place very similar. Jesus was praying and he said, God, the calling you put on my life is to go to the cross. I know that, God the Father. But God the Son in his human, human form realized the weight of sin and the burdens of this life. Not just for one person, but from everybody from Adam all the way to the very last individual. That burden was heavy. And Jesus, our great example, prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Perhaps we can pray the same prayer. God, not my will be done, but God, your sovereign, divine will be done. And not, in not just our lives personally, but also in our church's life. I like some of these quotes. 
uh, about the will of God. Somebody said, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. I like what somebody else said. They said, the will of God, no matter how safe or how dangerous it may get, is the best place for the child of God. I also like this. I believe it was Brother B.R. Lakin that said this many years ago. It is far better to be in God's will than to be in God's way. And I don't know about you today, but listen, church, I want to be in the center of God's will for my life. I want our church to be in the very centermost place of God's will because that is the best place for the child of God. In Philippians chapter 2, we read about that passage about how Jesus humbled himself. But, but listen, when he humbled himself, he submitted himself to the will of God the Father. And that will was to carry the weight of sin to the cross. And he did that for you and for me. And today, if you've never accepted that payment, I want to encourage you to do so before it's eternally too late. With all that in mind, I want to just share with you three thoughts about God's calling and God's will for our lives. You see, we see the example. Jesus received that calling when he was born of a virgin 2,000 years ago and lived a sinless life. And he, he kept that calling and didn't deviate from that. But listen, sometimes in our lives, we deviate from God's calling. And we say, instead of saying, God, not your will be done, but God, let our will be done. So today, we are either doing one of two things. We're saying, our will be done on earth, or we are saying, God, your will be done on earth. We're either saying, God, my, may my will be done in my life, or God, we're saying, God, may your will be done in our lives. And I believe that, that every church in America, I believe that every Christian in America and all across the globe in this, in this entire universe, if we were to just get a hold of the will of God and just live it out according to God's word, I really believe we would see revival. I really, we, I really believe we would see an outpouring of the Spirit of God on congregations and individuals. I believe we would see the churches full of people hungry to hear God's word. When we receive God's word, we'll find out God's will. And when we receive God's word and find out God's will, all we want to do is worship God in spirit and in truth. Today, I want to share with you first of three thoughts. First of all, I wrote down, your calling is a direct order by the will of God. Your calling is a direct order by the will of God. We've already seen how Jesus, even when he said, remove this cup from me, the Father. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then when he did that, notice in verse number 43, the Bible says there appeared an angel unto him from heaven. Listen, if you don't believe in angels and demonic spirits, you need to reread the Bible. <laughs> because the Bible talks about them. We just heard a great exposition of, of some of that stuff in Sunday school with Brother Andrews before our service. Listen. You might think I'm crazy, but there are demonic spirits out in our world today doing the will of Satan. But there are angelic beings that are out in this world doing the will of God. And so just for every demonic spirit that's coming and attacking you and trying to get you to follow the will of Satan, I believe God sends a protective angelic being into our lives to help us receive and fulfill the will of God in our lives. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Sometimes God may send an, an, an angelic being in your life, but then sometimes God sends an angel or a messenger. And sometimes that messenger or an angel can be another human being, another brother, another sister in your walk. Today, I want you to know this, that your calling is a direct order by the will of God. I begin to, to research 
the Pauline epistles. That is the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote by divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And in these letters, in the very first few verses, we, we read about his introduction. But I noticed there was three different thoughts and descriptions of how he described his ministry and his calling by the will of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, in Galatians 1, 1, Ephesians 1, 1, Colossians 1, 1, Timothy 1, 1, and 2 Timothy 1, 1, we see he said, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the will of God. The first thought I want to focus on about your calling is a direct order by the will of God is this, apostleship. And so I wrote down this. An apostle is one who is sent into the world to advance the gospel by the will of God. An apostle is one who is sent into the world to advance the gospel by the will of God. You can read these different letters for yourself. The very first introduction, he says, Paul, an apostle. Listen, you, myself, all of us in here today are apostles in a certain sense. The Bible says that he gave some pastors and teachers. He gave some evangelists. He gave some prophets. But in Ephesians, the Bible also says apostles. In other words, somebody who's sent. You are sent by the Holy Spirit of God. You know, when I sat together with with the ordination council eight years ago in this church in the basement, they said Brother Andrews was there and some of the other pastors and Brother English and, and some of the others. They sat there and said, Brian... If we chose not to ordain you, what would you do? And I said, well, fellas, if you chose not to ordain me, I'd go on preaching anyways. (laughs) I believe that whether this church would have ordained me or not, that's the calling that God has placed in my life. Paul said, it doesn't matter if any church, the church of Corinth, the churches in Galatia, any church, any, any of the churches, whether they sent me out or not, God, the Holy Spirit, has placed a burden and calling on my life, and I'm going to go where he sins. I hope that our church would, ever, would, would support you. I hope that, that our church would, would seek to ordain you. If you felt the call of God in your life and you believed our articles of faith and we wanted to to advance the gospel through that ministry, but but listen, if it's a true calling, it doesn't matter if any church in the Roanoke Valley, the state of Virginia, or the United States of America sent you, God's going to send you. Would you receive that calling? It's a direct order by God. You see, he's called us all, not just me. Not just me at the yard sale. Passing out those tracks, being, hey, hey, if you're free tomorrow, why don't you come and worship with us? He's not just calling me to do that. He's calling all of us. As I read the Pauline epistles, I noticed the word apostle. But I also noticed in Philippians and Romans and in Titus, he said, Paul, a servant by the will of God. So the next word I want, want to focus on is servant. Remember, your calling is a direct order by the will of God. So in other words, your apostleship is a direct order by God's will. Your servanthood is a direct order by the will of God. So I wrote down this, a servant is one who willingly surrenders to the will of his master in service. In context, Paul saying, you are a, I am a servant of God. 
And my calling is to serve my master. Not the Pope, because remember, there's no hope in the Pope. <laughs> Not the president, because listen, sometimes you can't always trust the president, no matter who he or she may ever be. You can't trust some of these people in leadership, but I'll tell you who you can trust, and that is who you can always serve, and that is Almighty God. Let's serve Him to our greatest ability, whether it's through a music, whether it's through a teaching, whatever it is, serve God to your greatest ability. You have talents, all of you do. Some of you have talents, and listen, I just wish I had. I walk into a kitchen and I said, man, I wish I could make those brown beans taste that good in front of that yard sale. I wish I could make that cornbread taste that good. I wish I could make that, that carrot cake oh, taste that heavenly. But your boy up here can't do that. <laughs> and your boy doesn't want to learn. That's for sure. <laughs> Whatever your gift is, use it for the glory of God. Serve Christ through the gifts, talents, and abilities He has blessed you with. You know, sometimes people are called a jack of all trades and a master of none. There's wisdom in that. But when it comes to serving Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to just take one or two or three of the gifts that God has given you. Practice those gifts. Perfect those gifts. And use them for the glory of God. A man by the name of Stephen Curry, you probably heard of him, plays basketball for the Golden State Warriors. Throughout his high school and collegiate career, he was well overlooked. And he went to a, a college that, that wasn't as, a, as elite as, you know, Duke and, and UNC and some of the others in the ACC. But eventually, he climbed up to the top in the collegiate athleticism. And he went on to the NBA. And he's climbed up to the top there. Practicing his dribbling. His shooting. And I believe that we, just as a professional athlete, takes his craft seriously. We are called to take the crafts that God has given us to be just as serious, but surrender it to the will of God and serve him. In Philemon, the letter to Philemon, Paul's writing. And in the other epistles, he talked about being an apostle. He talked about being a servant. But, but, but in the letter of Philemon, it's very, very interesting. An interesting letter, just one chapter. So if you, if you have a hard time reading the Bible, you can just go read the book of Philemon because it's about 20 verses. You know, you can go read that one for sure. But in there, he doesn't say he's an apostle. He doesn't say he's a servant. The only letter Paul wrote, he says this, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ by the will of God. So here's what I wrote down. A prisoner is someone who is bound to nothing else but the will of God. Imagine the Apostle Paul is under house arrest and he has a chain about his ankle tied to a wall. And he wrote several of the letters in the New Testament while in bonds, the Bible says. And Paul, even when he was in bonds and in chains for the gospel, he still said, I am a prisoner. He's not saying, I'm, an, I'm a prisoner of, 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 of the leader of Rome. 
He says, I am a prisoner to the will of God for Jesus Christ. And today, church, all I'm saying is that when, when it comes to the will of God, we need to chain it about our ankles and live according by the word of God and his will. So I wrote down, I am an apostle. I am a servant. And I am a prisoner who is held captive by the word and will of Almighty God. Your calling is a direct order by the will of God. Remember, Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. May I share with you a second thought today? Not only your calling is a direct order by the will of God, but I wrote down, secondly, your calling will result in suffering by the will of God. Your calling will result in suffering by the will of God. Our passage and Luke's gospel records to us that Jesus' agony was so severe that when he sweat, it was like drops of blood pouring out of his, of his head. In 1 Peter, in fact, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. In 1 Peter chapter 3, I guess if, if, if 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the resurrection chapter, then 1 Peter chapter 3 is the suffering chapter. Now here's a chapter of the Bible that is often neglected and overlooked in modern Christianity. But I want you to know this, that if you call yourself a Christian, that if you, if you profess to know Jesus Christ as Savior, you believe that He died on the cross, that He was buried, He rose again, and you believe God's Word is the Word of God as it says it is, then one of these days... You're going to receive persecution and suffering for your faith. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse number 17, it says, For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Look at verse 18. It says, For Christ also has suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. I wrote down, just quoting this verse, verse 17. It is far better to suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Have you noticed how our society has completely flipped these days, <laughs> that if you go back, if you just go back 20 years ago, what was wrong then is now right. And what was uh, right then is now wrong. You may suffer. If you make a vow to your spouse and you want to keep that vow. You may suffer if you decide, hey, I'm going to take a high standard. And I'm going to abstain from all appearances of evil, even when it comes to alcohol and drugs. You may suffer if you say, well, you know, you know uh, the, the music that I just want to listen to, I want to listen to music that is glorifying to God. You may suffer when somebody comes in and asks you about some of that stuff. They might ridicule you for some of the standards that you've set up in your life. But listen, church, it is far better to suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You may suffer if you hold to a standard that you're going to wait till marriage 
to have sex. You may suffer in this life because the world has changed their outlook on everything. In 1 Peter chapter 4, kind of extends this suffering chapter into the next. And in verse number 1, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, and He did, He suffered in ways that, that, that my mind and your mind could never comprehend. He said, Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. But look at verse number 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. It is far better to suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. But then look at verse 19. It says, continue this whole chapter, chapter 4 is all about suffering. And it says, wherefore let him that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Now I'm sure in a congregation this size, some, some of you nice fine folks have probably inherited a sum of money that amounts way more than one year of college education. And I'm sure that you've inherited stuff that's way, it's worth way more than a 1998 Chevy Malibu. But I'm here to tell you something, that there's nobody in this world who can inherit something greater than all of us combined, and that is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Listen, one of these days, you know, somebody might will me a nice house in Hunting Hills, and that'd be fine. I would gladly take it, and I would sell it and donate the money for our building fund so we could build a whole new building. <laughs> but listen, so that may happen one of these days for you and for me. But hey, there's no mansion on this earth that could compare to the one that God is preparing for all of us in heaven. There's no street that, 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 that is worth more than a street of gold and glory. And there's no sea, there's no pond that you could build in your backyard that's worth more than the crystal sea and glory. Listen, we might suffer in this world, but the Bible says that one of these days we're going to be rewarded a greater reward for our suffering. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. As I read 1 Peter chapter 4, and as I read 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. He said that everything that's in the world, it's not going to last forever. But he said, whoever does the will of God will abide forever. So I wrote down this. It is far better to fulfill God's will than the lusts of the flesh. You see the lust of the flesh? That is, that is the, the sin in our, that, that, that we are tempted with. The, the Bible says that there's only pleasure in that for a little season. And then we will reap. The consequences. The Bible tells us it is far better to fulfill God's, God's will than the lust of the flesh. And as I continue reading these verses, I wrote down this. It is far better to keep God's will than to forsake God's will. I, I'm afraid, I am afraid that the vast majority of the young people, doesn't matter if they're homeschooled, doesn't matter if they're private schooled, or doesn't matter if they're public schooled, the vast majority in, in the generation that has arisen Maybe my generation, generation to come, the vast majority of them says, hey, listen, I'm going to do my will, not God's will. 
And then may I take it a step further? It's not just the young generation. I'm looking out across all the generations in America. And America as a whole is saying, not God's will be done, but my will be done. And it's time we get back to God's will. Maybe if we got back to God's will, we figured out what, what a biblical marriage is. You know what I'm saying? Maybe if we got back to God's will, we find out that, hey, abortion, no matter the, the stage, is murder. If we got back to God's will, we find out that, hey, hey, God can save anybody as long as they call out to Him for salvation. Your calling, is, your calling will result in suffering by the will of God. Your calling is a direct order by the will of God. But may I share with you thirdly and finally... As I read Luke's gospel, our passage, and a couple others, I wrote down this. Obedience to your calling is the will of God. Earlier I talked about how when we get into God's word, we find out God's will. And when we get into God's word, we find out God's will, and we obey it, we are worshiping God. But if we find out God's word and his will... And we don't obey it. Instead of worshiping God, we've made our own self an idol. This might sound very elementary, but it's very true. I wrote on this. When you are obedient to your calling, you are inside of God's will. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 5 and 8. You don't need to turn there, but if you want to jot down the, the reference, you go right ahead. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 through 8, really. This is the, the, the passage where it talks about um, children and, and fathers and mothers and servants and masters. Or if I could, servants could be called employees and masters could be called employers. And here, when the Bible talks about servants, it says, Servants, in verse 5, Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. He says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, I'm sure most of you, when you went through uh, elementary school, middle school, and high school, you had gym class. Did you not? And you had to run a mile. Yeah? You all remember running the mile? Well, maybe, if you're, maybe you're like me, that when, when your gym teacher was standing on this corner of the track, or the, the court, and you got to that end of the court, well, you just cut that corner. So you could trim a little off your mile. And so you could save a few steps. We've all been there. But here this whole idea, not with eye service, gives the connotation that when we are serving God, we do not cut corners. And that when we obey God's will, we don't cut the corners to God's will. As I read 1 Peter chapter 2, I wrote on this. When you are disobedient to your calling, you are outside of God's will. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we, if we say that we love God, aren't we going to fulfill his will for our life? There, there may be times where, 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 where we might have this idea about our future and we say, well, well oh, I want to do this and I want to accomplish this, but, but God says, no. <laughs> well, let's not do it. 
But have you ever tried to walk through a door that God has shut? You're going to have a hard time. You're going to bring sorrow upon sorrow on your own self. So as I think about all this, I wrote down this. It is far better to be inside of God's will than to be outside of God's will. The choice is, is ours to make. We can choose God's will or we can choose my will. There was a young man who was visiting the Grand Canyon with his friends. And they were looking forward to this trip for, for a long time. And they finally get to the Grand Canyon. They fly out there in a plane. They, they get a rental car and they drive out to the Grand Canyon. And they get up to, this, the, to the cliff, to the humongous hole. When we went out to the Grand Canyon, my dad walked up to the side and he said, that's a big hole. Y'all ready to go? <laughs> I'm like, Dad, man, we spent a whole week in Yellowstone. Let's spend a little bit more time here. But anyways, so you, they got up to the Grand Canyon. And if you've ever been there, you know in certain spots they have a rail, do they not? Well, some of this young man's friends decided they were going to climb over the rail and walk on the side of the cliff. You know, there's rails there for a reason. <laughs> and all of his friends were doing it. Eventually, he, he gave in to the temptation. And he gets over to, to one side, and he makes one step, and the ground gives out, and he fell to his demise. Whether that story is true or not, it's, it's a simple illustration to say this, that God's will is a boundary that he has placed in his word. And when we get outside of that boundary, destruction can only happen. Jesus prayed with drops of blood, not my will, but thine be done. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.